I have to tell you, my clock is broken up here. So, who knows? <laughs> who knows how long this will be? Uh, before I get started on my sermon, I, I need to just reiterate how, what a wonderful job the young people did last week. I was blessed, uh, and I know that you all were too. And I'm just, I'm really impressed with the young people we have here, and uh, thankful for them. So. Um, we are in Lent, and uh, as I said before, uh, Lent is a time of preparation. It's a time of anticipation. It's a time of repentance and a time of inviting the Holy Spirit to uh, point us in a new direction. Uh, Lent reenacts the story that we just heard uh, in Matthew. Uh, we, in Lent... Lent lasts for 40 days. It actually lasts for 46 days, but that's because you don't count Sunday in your fasting. So uh, this is why people give up something for Lent. They're reenacting this thing that Jesus does, going out into the wilderness and fasting for 40 days in preparation for the ministry that Jesus is going to do. It's an exercise of discipline. Uh, Jesus takes this fast out in the desert right after coming before John and being baptized. And then it records in the scriptures that he is led by the Spirit out into the desert to be tempted. To be, and this is not an unusual ritual cleansing for people of Jesus' time, particularly if you were part of the, the desert group, the Essenes who lived out in the desert. They were constantly doing things to cleanse themselves. And it's a, it's a common cleansing ritual of fasting before you prepare yourself for something big. In this case, Jesus was preparing himself for his ministry, for his uh, life there, and his death and resurrection. Uh, but as he is out in the wilderness about day 40, when he's been denying himself food, in walks the devil at just that time. Comes and tempts Christ, we are told in this story. The devil comes and lures, tries to lure Jesus with the offer of food when he is hungry. With the offer of, of dramatic power. Uh, that he could hold over the world as if it were Satan's to give and a dramatic show of God's power. Test God in this. I have to tell you, in the, we're told in the story that the devil knows his job very well. He's a master when it comes to this temptation stuff. And he knows exactly where to hit Jesus and when. You're hungry, the devil says. You know... Just make some bread. Nothing wrong with that. Why would God want you to go hungry? You've been out here for 40 days. Just whip up some bread. That's no big deal. Who's going who's gonna to be bothered by that? Who can blame you for having a little bread? Is there a law against bread, Jesus? Jesus responds, a lot of people are hungry. That's why I'm here. To satisfy that hunger. And the bread I bring will satisfy them forever. And Jesus quotes Deuteronomy 8.3. Hey Jesus, says Satan, God sent you to save the world. 
and to show them the way to God. But then he is making you do it as a poor carpenter from Nazareth? That doesn't make any sense. Wouldn't it be better? Wouldn't it be easier? Wouldn't people pay more attention if you were the ruler of the world? I think people would pay a lot more attention to you if that were the case. People would listen better. Why don't you let why don't you become the ruler of the world? If you listen to me, you can be the ruler of the world. Jesus responds, only God rules the world. And only God is worthy of worship. Quotes Deuteronomy 6.13. Listen, says Satan, are you even sure that God is with you? Maybe God has just left you here, abandoned. Maybe God is just in your head. Maybe you're just hearing voices. Are you sure you are the anointed one? Are you sure you're the Messiah? You know what, let's make sure. Before you go around trying to tell everybody all this good news, let's make sure God is faithful in God's promises. Just jump off the pinnacle of this temple. And if God is God, and if God is with you, and if you are the anointed one, God's angels will lift you up. Says so in Scripture, Satan says. Jesus says, you know what? I don't need a test. I have faith. Then he quotes Deuteronomy 6.16. i got to tell you, I think any of us can relate to these temptations. To hunger and to feel a sense of hungering and to get it. By any means, the desire to, to satisfy that hunger and to go to great lengths and to do anything to satisfy that hunger. The lure and the, the temptation to have power to control things, to dominate. And this last one seems to me about having security that doesn't require any faith. Security that is so explicit you don't really have to have faith at all. That's an interesting one. But the reality is that temptation ultimately is a very personal thing, isn't it? What is temptation for you may not be temptation for me and vice versa. But here's the truth. The, the tempter always knows where to hit you with those things. And there's a few things we can say about what temptation is. One thing is that I think temptation usually points to the easy way out of something. Right? Get rich quick schemes are all about getting rich without really working at it. That's why they're schemes and that's why you're getting rich quick, right? Of course, they never work. But the temptation to get rich without really working at it, you know, that's always there. So looking for that easy way out. I've noticed in the culture we live in today that a lot of people think, you know, it would be a lot less complicated if I'm dishonest in this situation. If I lie just a little bit, it will save me a lot of trouble. It will save people around me a lot of trouble. If I just bend the truth, 
I gotta tell you, it's amazing to me to see how easy it is to be dishonest in our culture today. In fact, I think it's I think it's expected. It's a normal part of the world we live in. Dishonesty. But I think it's about this pointing to the easy way out. It's a lot harder to be honest. A lot harder to face realities in our own lives and to name them and to deal with them. It's much easier to save people a lot of trouble by just bending the truth a little bit. Sometimes even fooling ourselves. Easy way out. It's easier to drink than to do the hard work of dealing with my problems, whatever that may be. Someone once told me uh, when I asked, well, you know, what, why do you drink? And they say, I drink because it works. <laughs> it makes me feel better for a while. It eases the pain. It takes away the pain. And I take them at their word, it does. For a while, you can just forget about your problems. It works. The problem is they're still there when you sober up. So you've got to keep drinking <laughs> to keep putting those problems off. Well, and, and while anyone who's had a problem with drinking will tell you it's not the easy way out, but at, at the time it seems a lot easier than actually grappling with the problems that seem too overwhelming to deal with. You know, the thing about turning to things like drinking, sex, drugs, and rock and roll is that when we do it, when we self-medicate in order to deal with our pain, quite frankly, we're letting something else do the job that God wants to do for us. We're replacing God's Holy Spirit. We're replacing that relationship we have with God, that, that, that relationship that points us to health and to wholeness and gives us the love and support we need to do it. We're replacing that with something else. Drinking, sex, drugs, rock and roll, whatever your bent is. I don't know. But you know what? They, those things work for a while, but deep prayer works too, amen? Time with God works too. Being with people who will pray for you works too, amen? Listening to God's still small voice in Scripture works too. And it points us towards a healthy and whole existence. And gives us tools that really deal with our problems, not just putting them off. I mean, and I'm not talking about a Pollyanna, you know, tiny faith. I'm talking about a deep faith, a deep walk with God that works too and better. The other thing I would say about temptation, it always comes when we're weak. You know, 40 days not eating, then the devil shows up. The devil wouldn't have bothered Jesus had he not been weak at this moment. When we are strong, we know ourselves and we know right from wrong. When we are weak, when we are lost, and when we, when we don't have the strength, and here's the key, when we don't have the strength to do it ourselves, that's when temptation comes. That's also the point at which faith becomes crucial. 
You know, that's, this is why sometimes people don't turn to God until they hit rock bottom. Because for so much of our lives, we think we got it. Oh, I got it. God, don't bother yourself. I got it. I'm strong. I'm tough. I can handle it. But then there comes that moment, right? We've all been there. Wow, this is bigger than I can deal with. This is huge. And then you got, you know, you've seen this, the devil on this shoulder and little angel over here. <laughs> we choose which one we give in to because we can't do it alone. That's when temptation comes along. That's when we're tempted to pull away from our faith. Just at the time when we should be running toward it. When we should be embracing it. When we should be depending on it. When we should be falling before the cross saying, God, I'm lost and I'm scared and I feel utterly alone and I know I can't do this without you. Or without someone. Temptation always comes when, we weak, when we're weak. Temptation also does this thing of trying to give us what we think we want. You know, God will give us what we really need. Temptation will give us what we think we want. It's most effective when you don't know what you want. I don't know what I want. Well, the devil says, here, maybe you want this. <laughs> it's shiny. It's sparkly. And it's going to cost you a lot. <laughs> it's going to cost you your life. It's going to cost you your family. It's going to cost you your sense of well-being. It's going to make me feel good. It's going to make you feel awful. But here it is, packaged up. That's often how temptation comes. And then you look at, i got to say, I know, I know some of you love this thing, and I'm going to catch feedback, for, flack about this, and this is not... Uh, but, you know, I've fallen into this temptation of, wow, I ought to get an iPad, right? I ought to get me one of them, because that's cool. But, you know, I just think this is, whoever invented that is a genius to invent this incredibly expensive thing that nobody needs. Nobody needs this. Is it a cell phone? No. I got a cell phone. Is it a, is it a computer? No. <laughs> it's something else. It's shiny <laughs> and sparkly. And it's, it's a lot of fun. I know. I'm going to catch feedback about this. But you don't need it, do you? It's a completely contrived need. And I find myself going, oh, I need one of those. i got to get me one of those. <laughs> Everyone else has one. Maybe I need one. I could, I could put the Bible on it. Right? <laughs> Justify it. But you know what? You don't need that. It doesn't do anything you need. <laughs> it does stuff you like. <laughs> I won't eat, I, but the, you know, I, it's okay if you have one, I'm just saying. <laughs> as I look at how Jesus resists temptation here, as I look at Jesus' example of dealing with these same things we have to deal with, these same temptations we have to deal with, these same lures, these same hooks that get us tripped up all the time, Jesus, as I watch Him deal with these things, I want to make a few observations here. And what, what amazes me, what stands out to me about the thing that Jesus does here is the first one, I want you to look at this text and tell me and, and observe with me, there is not one miracle going on here. Jesus did not call on any supernatural power of any sort. 
Jesus is not walking on water. Jesus is not healing the sick. Jesus is not feeding thousands miraculously. Jesus is just saying no to temptation. Doing it in the exact same way you and I can do it. This is not one of those times when we can say, well, that's Jesus. (laughs) You know, how can I do that kind of stuff? Because that's Jesus. Of course, Jesus can do that. No, no, no. Jesus is not calling on all that power. Jesus is just a guy who's hungry (laughs) and who deals with it. There's no supernatural thing. This is not a miracle story. This is Jesus showing us how to face down the temptations that come along in our story. And i got to say, I find that empowering. Wow, Jesus does this without even... You know, without clouds parting and thing, you know, streams of light coming down, Jesus just does it. I can do that. I should be able to do that. Right? That's empowering. Jesus, at his weakest moment, relies on God's word for strength. Every time, every time when the, when the devil pulled out his best, Jesus looked to what God had to say and prayed on it and said, look, you say this, but I'm the God I know, the God I love has said in these wonderful words of life something else. I'm going to listen to this. I'm going to pay attention to this. Often our first instinct when we are weak and most vulnerable is to isolate ourselves from God And to isolate ourselves from church. I can tell you right now, there are people who are in pain, who are hurting, who are weak, and who are trying to resist temptation, and you know where they're at? They're not here. Because they don't want to be here when they're weak. And I know some of you react that way too. Oh, I'm just, I'm so, so weak right now, I don't think I should go to church. That's a terrible time not to go to church. That's exactly the time you should go to church. Come in, let us love on you a little bit. Come in and hear the word of God. Come in and be blessed. Amen? Amen. Sing a song for crying out loud. (laughs) I mean, I'm too low to go to church. No, you're not. (laughs) We have lots of low people here. Come on in and join in. Don't be. I've never understood this. You know, people of God, I I mean, I'm, you know, I'm as, I'm as human as the next one, but I've never, I'll tell you what, I go running to church when I'm at my lowest. I run to church and I let you all love on me and I couldn't do it without the church. Amen. I don't know why. I don't know why you do that. Why do you do that? (laughs) Why do you hide away and go, oh, when I get better, then I'll go back to church. This is where you come to get better. So, uh, you know, that's a bad move. (laughs) That's a bad move. Jesus was able to resist also because Jesus knew who he was. This is key. This is, this is, I'm getting to the end here. This is the point. I'm coming to the end. The biggest factor in resisting temptation for Jesus is the security of knowing who he was and why he was there. Ultimately, temptation is enticing to us 
It's, it's pulling us, it's enticing us to behave in ways that are contrary to who we really are. It's telling you you're something else. Temptation is a problem when we're lost and we're lonely and we're searching for some sense. When we're ungrounded and we're, and we're looking for some kind of grounding. But when we are grounded, when we know who we are and where we are going, we are far less inclined to give in to any cockamamie scheme going on out there or any unhealthy way of being who we are that's inconsistent with the core of who we are. You know, the beginning of knowing who we are really starts where even the, day, even the devil in our story today started to identify Jesus. He said, Jesus, Son of the Most High God, let me tempt you. Even the devil knew who Jesus was. Unfortunately for him, Jesus knew who Jesus was too. Amen? Well, you know what? It's the same for you and me. First Baptist Church, people gathered here, sons and daughters of the Most High God. You are invited today to choose that identity, to hang on to it, and to let that be your light and guide when you're at your lowest, when you're at your most desperate, when you're struggling, and when temptation comes to call it. Remember, I'm a son, I'm a daughter of the Most High God. That's who I am. Let that be your starting point. You start asking, where am I going with this? How am I going to respond to the struggles, to the temptations, difficulties, moments of deep despair? We are encouraged, like Jesus, to embrace this identity as children of God. Beloved, not left abandoned, but held close. Loved dearly. Let us pray. Our gracious and loving God, we, we come to you as human beings who were tempted. Who are often lured away from our best selves, knowing, even knowing that you point us toward that best version of ourselves. May we, over this Lenten season, embrace movement and journey toward that, knowing that you give us the strength to accomplish all these things and more. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.